talk about future church. And the passage I want to launch out of this uh, morning is a really famous passage. And uh, it was made famous because in 1965, a song was uh, released which sang pretty much this whole passage word for word. And a half of you, I mean, any, any guesses? Oh, someone whispered something? Okay. Okay, Ben, get your guitar out. <laughs> so, I'm not going to sing it. But here's a scripture. I want to I start this morning with this um, verse. Hey, we had a great, um, we went to a, a prayer, prayer and worship night last night down at um, Belmont. And there was a great, who's there for that? It was a great night, wasn't it? So my voice may fail because of that. Um, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. Who would have thought? Thank you. A time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet. I should read this at the dinner table sometimes. And a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. You know, when I was growing up, I had other books that, um, that helped me string, sing scripture and songs. Who remember the scripture and song books? What colours were there? There was a yellow book, brown, yellow. You'd know the brown one. So that were named after you guys. There's a yellow book, blue book, brown book. So who remembers that Maroonish? Um, anyway, so those songs were, I think they were great back in the day, back in the 80s. Uh, I know some of you weren't around. Front, all of the front row weren't around for the 80s. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> But yeah, th those songs were written purely scripture. They were, they were, they were scripture and they're put to a great mouth. Didn't you guys just sing with one, of the, or with one of the authors or Jenny at some story connecting to the guy who wrote all the songs? You should ask her about that. You will. Uh, <laughs> but they were, they were a biblically focused song and they were spiritually focused. Now, this song, who can tell me the author of, of that song? The Birds. Um, and when they wrote it, it wasn't like they were part of Hillsong. Uh, they weren't writing a worship song. They were really writing more of a song that was a political statement. It was a song that spoke to the culture of the world that they were living in in the late 60s. And primarily it was a song that was addressing the war in Vietnam and the call to peace. And so the, the original lyrics of the Birds song was penned two and a half thousand years earlier by, who can tell me who wrote this? King Solomon. And uh, he identified that life is full of seasons. Not, that, not just the natural seasons. I mean, it's great we've now entered autumn. I think we totally missed summer. Did summer come and go and not tell anyone? You moved to Newcastle and there was no summer, Jody. No summer. Um, but, but Solomon's referring to more than just the natural seasons that life brings. Uh, we understand there's seasons in our families. You know, in our family, we've got one son that just started university, one son that just got his pea plates, another son who just got a job at Subway, Joel. And so 
family life has seasons. I'm sure you can identify that if you're older, I'm sure you've identified your, your career or your study or your family or your relationships. They all grow and you get seasons in life and they come and they go. Our workplaces, our careers, our relationships. But even our spiritual journey has seasons. But we all go through all sorts of stuff. Times of preparation, where God is doing something inside of us, we can't quite figure it out, but we're preparing our hearts. There's times of new beginnings, times when we launch out and move from Wodonga to uh, Newcastle, times of new beginnings, times where we, we blossom and flourish, when we're entering and, and knowing we're in the place where God wants us and all of a sudden we're finding great joy and things are going well, we're flourishing and growing. There's times of retreat and pulling back. There's times when we, we understand that with the seasons are shifting and we start to change focus and that could be in a spiritual journey, start to focus on different parts of life. Times when we're really vibrant and passionate. Times when we're really dry and weary. There's times when our lives are full of promise and expectancy and, and that the seasons of our spiritual life come and go. Now typically in a room like this, we're all at different seasons of life. You're, you're, some of you may be in a, in a place of great flourishing and you're, you're facing a spring season where things are full of life and colour and, and dreams and vision. Others might be here and you might be in a, a spiritual summer and things are dry and hard. So I don't know where you are at today, but the good news is that Jesus is with us in every season. In, tell the person next to you, Jesus is with us in every season. And if you want to sit next to you can have sit so you can just yell at AJ. <laughs> He's with us. In, I don't know what you're going through right now. It could be your health, could be your family, could be your marriage, could be your workplace, could be your friendships. But let me tell you, it could be going well, it could be going hard. Let me tell you, Jesus is with you. In fact, He promised He will never leave you or forsake you. That's great news. That's really encouraging. And uh, the good news is for, I, I believe that across the, the world, I think the pandemic has pushed the church, the big church, into a long, cold, dark, isolated winter. I think that's the, uh, across the globe, the church in many ways has found itself unprepared in winter. And the good news is, and we shared about this before, that Jesus is with us in our winter. And, that, and, and, and he's kept us together. He has sustained us. He has led us. And uh, I'm so grateful for what Jesus brings and has brought into our life over the last 12 months. I remember way back in April, when we were forced to go online, I was so worried on how on earth are we going to take what we do and put it online. I'm not, I, I hate looking at a camera on the best of days. Um, and so I wasn't looking forward to that. I generally prefer talking to people, generally, not always, just a heads up. If I, shut the, if I shut the door and hide under my desk, get the hint. Um, but typically I prefer talking to people than cameras. Um, but I've also found that in the midst of that, God helps and he equips and he enables us. And so I want to thank you, as Ali said before, 44 online services. And uh, thank you for hanging in there. Thank you for hanging in. It was, it was hard enough for me speaking to the camera and I get it would have been harder for you. Don't laugh at me. <laughs> uh, it would have been hard to be watching. I know, I know it's, you'd be watching this, this little, little head on the screen bouncing back and forth and um, not wobbling, just bouncing. Uh, but I really appreciate your faithfulness, 
your willingness to connect and to those who are connected to our satellite groups for you to step into those space. We are so grateful. We're grateful for our elders who have been supporting and leading us through this time. And it's great that we can be here today. And, uh, but I, at the beginning, I felt the Lord say to me something that he said to Peter back in, uh, in the Gospels. He said to Peter regarding a revelation of Jesus. He said, this is the rock in which I'll put together my church. A church so expansive with energy that the, not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. I really felt back in April when I was worried and, and wondering what, I mean, what was going to happen to our church and our families and our relationships. And, our, and I, was, I was worried about that. And I felt Jesus say to me, Mark, I will build my church. I will build my church. It takes the pressure off each one of us, but puts a, it puts a pressure or the responsibility purely on the place it should be on Jesus who will build his church. And uh, as I said, I'm so, over these 12 months, we've seen God doing some rem remarkable things. And I'm so grateful for his promises. I'm so grateful for his provision. So grateful for his protection. And more than anything, I'm so grateful for his presence. So grateful for his presence. He's never left us and he never will. And so um, I've heard a lot of people talking about saying, you know what, I'm glad things are getting back to normal. Who's heard that? I'm glad things are getting back to normal. And um, I, our nation is breathing a sigh of relief, I think, that a, a vaccine is being rolled out. Um, I'm not making comments on vaccines, but I'm making comment on the fact that our nation is breathing, as is across the globe, that they, 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 they see hope at the end of the tunnel. On the whole, restrictions are easing, on the whole, with the exception of churches at this point. But I, be, I do believe that that'll shift in the next couple of weeks. On the whole, I believe that, uh, well, um, as far as our economy goes, with the exception of the incredible amount of debt that our government got us into, on the whole, I think we're doing pretty well. I think uh, unemployment is lower than expected. Property prices, where's Shane? Out of this world. We've got this, we've got a, a it, it's actually quite, it's concerning to you guys. It's, it's actually a, a dangerous space uh, for our economy and people trying to get in the market and we've got a whole range of things and it's now taken a little life of its own. It's, it's, it's quite a frightening reality when we start to see all these dynamics at work in our culture from the economy to housing to, uh, to unemployment or to homelessness and a whole range of things happening. Um, sports stadiums are at capacity. Um, and it seems to me that everyone is, seems to be getting back on with life. And on the, whole, on the whole, that's a good thing. But I'm not convinced that getting back to normal is God's plan for us or God's goal for us. I'm, I'm grateful for the changing of seasons. I'm grateful for the sense of hope. I'm grateful for a government that, is, that has led us, our country, um, successfully through a challenge. I'm so grateful for that. But I feel that our, our time of coming into a new season is an opportunity for the church to realign itself, the church to realign itself with God's purposes. I've got a lot of re-words up there. <coughs> I believe that this time of coming back together again Anyone seen the Muppet movie? The one where they sing together again again. You've seen that one? Anyway. It's good for us to be back to... You've distracted me. See, now, if I was editing this, I'd, I'd, I'd say, Sam, cut this one, delete it, and not put it out to everyone. But I've, I've done it now, haven't I? 
Sorry, AJ. I've got to get used to preaching live again. Okay. I believe this is the time for the church to reimagine what it can look like. What can it look like? For us to reconsider what, what, the, what, what type of disciples Jesus is calling us to be and he wants us to grow into. A time for us to redefine who we are and time for us to re-engage in a lost and broken world. And my, my prayer is that we together as a church may be a little bit less like the church that we want, a little bit less like the church that serves my needs and a little bit more like the church that Jesus wants, a little bit more like the church that our community and our world desperately needs. <coughs> this will take time. This will take prayer. And this will take every single one of us being a part of it. I believe that there's a fantastic opportunity for the church, yes, our church, but the church across the world to actually rise up and be the church that Jesus needs for our generation today. I don't think we can go back to normal. I don't think we should go back to normal. I don't think we, to be honest, I don't think pre-COVID church, well, this was great. I'm not too sure pre-COVID church was, was exactly the, the vehicle or the, the shape that was needed for then. And I'm so glad we have an opportunity now to rebuild, to reshape, to reimagine, to revision, to maybe repair. It's challenging because I found out for me that over the last year, some of my spiritual muscles have become a spiritual flab. Anyone can connect to that or just me? Me and Peter. <laughs> it's true. I think, if we're really honest with ourselves, I think these last 12 months have created some challenges for us, like a bit of a muscle that has lost its strength. It's there. The muscle's there. When, when, when you have a body like Dave's, you know, the muscles are obviously just there and they're, they're pumped out. Um, but others, you know, they're not there yet, Dave. They just need to do some more working out. Then they'll be like you. <laughs> We've all got the... If you look at your body. Everyone just look at your arms. You can't inject more muscle in. True or false? How then do you grow the muscle? You stretch it, you exercise it, you put it to work. And you're, not, you're nodding, you know this, don't you guys? But is that easy to do? For some people it is. You know, back in October, at our very first satellite service, I sat in my chair. For those who are visiting, I used to have a chair that we used to cart around all over Newcastle. And I sat in my chair <coughs> beside Cockle Creek and Edgeworth, beside uh, uh, the, the, the creek that was uh, flowing, and I shared about culture. And um, I, I shared that I feel that our culture, the world that we live in, is sweeping us along at high speed. Busyness, uncertainty, technology, expectations, work demands, mortgages, just about everyone I know is hurtling along this river, and it's accelerating. And I, and I really believe, and I still believe, that we cannot sustain that. Something will give. And I believe culture is starting to break about our families, our, our communities, our personal lives are all starting to implode with stress. Um, uh, our relationships are struggling on the whole, emotionally, financially. We live in this culture that is so fast and so drawing us and distracting us and affecting us and, and taking our time. 
that I think there's a lot at stake. And in the midst of this fast-flowing river, there's rapids and unseen snags that I don't think many of us are prepared to face. And um, in the midst of this back then in, in October and today, I really still feel that Jesus is saying, it's time to swim to the side. I was saying to someone just this week, I said, oh, I'd love to just preach all my messages again. Because I, th- I think we need to get something here. I think we need to understand that Jesus is calling us to the side of this fast-flowing river. Why? Because this river can affect us. It's going to create damage to us, to our families, to our kids, to our grandkids. If we don't do something about it, the river of culture will take us somewhere we don't want to go and we don't want to be. And so in the midst of the, the clash and the clatter of this world, I still hear the invitation of Jesus. Jesus says, he says, come to me. I want, you to, I want you to hear his call to you this morning. He says, come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Can you hear the invitation? Can you sense that you're carried along by this river that is, that is, that is flowing and, and affecting every part of your life? And can you hear the call from Jesus that says, come aside with me? And so at the end, last quarter of 2020, we, we looked at how can we be disciples of Jesus in 21st century Newcastle? Who can remember the three goals of the disciple? Three goals of a disciple. First one, you guys who are just visiting, you don't need to remember these. Although I've told it to you, I'm sure, Jody. Three goals. First one, to be with, nice try, be with Jesus. <laughs> Second one, to become like Jesus. Third one, to, it's not a be, you'd like to think it is, but it's not. You could use it, but it's to do what Jesus did. They're the three goals. Any of the, if you look at the Jesus' disciples in the first century, that was their goals, the, to, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, ultimately to do what Jesus did. And I believe that they're still the same goals for us in 21st century Newcastle. What it means to be like Jesus, what it means to abide with Jesus, to, through his Holy Spirit, what, we, we've, touched, we've touched at that, how we can be with Jesus, how we can become like Jesus, transformed by him. And we've looked at what it means to do what Jesus did, how to do what Jesus did, how we can be a people who carry on his work today. And as, the, as our church and as the church emerges into a post-pandemic world, I'm still convinced those three things should be our goal. I'm still convinced that going back to normal, going back to the way things were, should not be our objective. And whilst it's great that we can be together again, I don't think that COVID slowed the river of culture. I don't think it stopped. I don't think COVID stopped anything. In fact, I thought, I think the river of culture is going faster than before. I think isolation, which we were forced into, has forced us to be more individualistic. Everyone say that word, individualistic. I think isolation has forced us to be more me-focused, how to protect me, how to look after me. And I think we've lost something about us. I think the influence and impact of technology on our lives is taking its toll on marriages, on families, 
on friendships, on, 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 on workflow, on, on distraction, on people being exhausted. I think we're still far too busy. I'm talking to me. I think I'm still too, far too busy to walk the pace, to walk the pace that Jesus is calling us to walk. I think that. And I do think we're getting more and more exhausted with more and more activity. We're filling our lives with, with higher levels of debt and we're finding greater levels of stress and dissatisfaction. I see this in my life. I see this to some extent in my family. I see it in your life and in your family. And, and just because we can see it, I've discovered just, just because I can preach a message on it doesn't mean that we've worked it out. I've discovered um, being aware of something isn't always enough. For example, we've got a set of scales in our bathroom. Okay. So stepping on the scales, aware of the number that's spinning at high speed, not, it's, not a, it's not an analogue one where it's spinning because I'm really heavy, it's a digital one, just being aware of my weight isn't always enough. Just being aware of, of, of some, sometimes it is, and probably once or twice a year that's enough to, sort, to trigger me into another round of dieting. I know I'm looking great, thanks. <laughs> we stand on the scales and we go, yep, I need to exercise more, I need to eat less. Problem is, I've got a new pizza oven for my birthday. How's the pizzas, Jody? Who's had a pizza from my pizza oven? How is it? <laughs> a few more. Yeah, busy. Do you see the hands? <laughs> I might just bring it in one week here. <clears throat> uh, maybe not sausage sizzle. We'll do pizza. Pizza and curry. Pizza and curry night. Hands up. Okay. <clears throat> Just, just more often than not, becoming aware, when you stand on the scales, more often being aware of something brings shame or embarrassment or guilt, and that's not, that's not the purpose of it. It doesn't always bring change. And I'm sure we'd all agree we are too busy, or we're consuming too much technology, or Netflix, or Stan, or Disney+, Plus or Amazon Prime, or Fetch, or Binge, what's the latest... Or, or Channel 9. Remember those? Remember those free-to-air channels where you don't have to pay anything for? I think aware that we're consuming too much content, it's, yeah, it's helpful, but it's not enough. Not always enough. And to be honest, it's not easy swimming to the side of this river. It's not easy trying to discon dis disconnect and disentangle yourself from technology. It's not easy. It's not easy to find ways to slow down when, we're, when work demands and, and school demands and grandkids demands and family demands. And it's not easy to slow down and to carve out space with God when all these demands are affecting our family. So my goal in this coming season for us is um, to do more than hopefully just make us aware of some of the cultural issues that we're flowing in. Because I do believe that as a, it's very easy for us as Christians to join the river of culture and to be caught in it as much as everyone else, hearing the call from Jesus. And we've got to find ways that we can actually receive the call from Jesus and swim to the side of the river 
But the best way to do that is together. And, uh, but ultimately, true transformation is the work of God's Spirit inside of us. So, so if you're really wanting to change, and once we start talking about this thing called business or technology or, or you're just slowing down, ultimately, it's got to work with the Holy Spirit inside of us. It starts with us being willing to allow Him to shape us and change us, even when it's hard and difficult. I believe God actually wants us to, be, to flourish and to live in this world where we are a, shine his light and be a blessing to others and lead others to a place of peace, to lead others to a place of rest. And so some of you may walk out of here today feeling a bit overwhelmed by this challenge of culture and thinking, Mark, you know, that's not a, not a, not a really encouraging message for us today. We've been waiting 11 months for a really great pep talk and I'm walking out of here a little bit more depressed and sad and wanting to go and buy a pizza oven as soon as I leave the building. You know, we've done a whole heap of um, pre-marriage counselling over the years. And um, one thing we've noticed, now this may be a bit general, but it's pretty accurate in its generalness. Typically, the woman typically wants to pull the band-aid off and deal with stuff. Typically. Typically, the man wants to stick his head in the sand. I can say that because I'm a man. Now, I know some of you may be different, but generally speaking, males tend to want to just stick their head in the sand and just pretend the problem, well, nothing, well they know something's going on, but they'd rather just pretend if we just stick a head in, it'll go away. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, other than wives, put your hand up if you think your husband's like that. <laughs> your hand didn't go up, did it? I'm glad it didn't. No, I'm, I'm just being honest. We, we typically want to. The, the garage is a mess still. Let's get in there, Dave. Typically, we like to just avoid things. That's our human nature. Now, as a church, we can also stick our head in the sand. We can say, well, I know all this cultural stuff, you know, individualism and, and autonomy and, and technology and... Uh, all this type of stuff and busyness, all that stuff. Yeah, I know that's out there, but we're just going to, as a church, we can stick our head in the sand and just pretend it doesn't exist. We can pretend nothing's going to change. We can pretend our kids will be right. They can do what they like. We can, we can pretend that culture is not affecting us. But the problem is, it still does. And I feel that the Western church... It's like we've gone to the beach and we've been swimming within the flags, having a lot of fun frolicking. Do you frolic? Do you frolic today? I know you might frolic, Marty, but any other people frolic in the ocean? What do we do? We're swimming. We're diving. We're floating. We're floundering. <laughs> But we're having fun in this river and we, we've gone in, we know, we're okay, we've got our, uh, the safe zone, the flags. But before we know, I, I believe the Western church, before we know, we have found ourselves being moved aside by a river of culture, a, a, a riptide of culture that's moved us away from the flags. And we haven't realised it. And I think, and we know the, the, the rips take you to places and ultimately they take you to places where it's dangerous. Places that in your own strength... You could flounder. You could fail. And I do believe that the, the church, the Western church, has found itself unintentionally affected by the rip of culture and we find ourselves floundering 
a little bit. Where faith is in danger, marriages are in danger, relationships are at risk. I do believe that the church is facing, in the season ahead of us, the, 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 the future church, the church that God wants us to build. I do believe it's going to face challenges in its season ahead. But I have great hope for God's church. I have great hope for God's church. I have great hope for our church. I have great hope because Jesus is with me in my deepest water. No matter how far I've gone, no matter how far culture has swept me away, or my, no matter how spiritually flabby I've become, Jesus is with me and he's able to meet me at my point of greatest need and able to help me and come beside me and to strengthen me and support me and sustain me and lift my head above the water and bring me back to shore. I have great hope because I can connect myself to his strength. I have great hope because when I am weak, then he is strong. A, uh, back in January, we had a, uh, a prayer night here, and I think I shared this outside at our last out, our service out there. But I do believe that this is the season for the church to rise. I believe that. I believe this is the season for God's church, God's people, not just those defined by a building, but God's church uh, de defined by the people who are called by his name. I believe it's a season for us to rise and become the church he's called us to be. In Isaiah, Isaiah writes, Arise, Jerusalem. Let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth, but the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All the nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come and see your radiance. I believe that's a prophetic word for the church today. I believe it's time for God's church, God's people, the people of Jerusalem in this case, where God's temple and God's presence was. But in today, it's us. It's his church, his presence, his temple. I believe it's time for us to rise and let our light shine because God's glory rises on us. And no matter how dark the night is across the nations of the earth, God, God's glory rises upon us. It's time for us to rise. This is the season for God's people to rise and become the people he's called us to be. I want to close with a story about a, a famous German pastor and a theologian whose name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Tell the person next to you, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Okay. Can we just go back a slide, Joel? Okay. He um, lived in a time when the war was at war, the world was at war with the Nazis. A world in which the river of culture was turbulent, destructive, and dis and, and, and killing and and, and well, destroying God's people. And God used Dietrich to challenge comfortable and convenient Christianity. God used him to stir up the German church to, to, to stand up. He was killed at the age of 39 after he joined the German resistance. And he was a, he's a pastor and he was smuggling Jews out of Germany. And he was linked to a plot to overthrow Hitler. So he's arrested and placed in, uh, in uh, prisoner of war camps. And it's an amazing story. In fact, he was executed uh, two weeks before the American army liberated the war camp. 
So it's an, it's an amazing... So if you get a chance, I think um, right now media's got a story on Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, it's a fantastic story of a man of faith who understood that when culture is moving in directions we don't want it to move, we can't sit back and do nothing. And so um, uh, the part of his story I want to close with is in his early 30s, he established an underground Bible school where he was teaching and raising up a new generation of pastors and leaders who took their faith seriously. He believed that Christians could stand firm against the pressures of the day and follow Jesus as they engaged in community, as they put into place practices that would strengthen them. But some of his friends thought he was a bit extreme. Some of his friends thought he was a bit, you know, a bit over the top. And so um, one friend visited him in his underground church and uh, said, hey, Dietrich, lighten up a bit. And so Dietrich uh, said, come with me. And he, they hopped in a boat and they rode across a river and they, they went to the top of the hill. And at the top of the hill they could see a Nazi army camp where Hitler was training up the, the generation of, of men to fight. He saw the planes landing and taking off. And Bonhoeffer spoke about a new generation of Germans that were in training whose disciplines were for a kingdom of hardness and cruelty. That Hitler was raising up a generation of people whose disciplines were to, were to create hardness or to create a kingdom that was cruel and hard. And Dietrich would then look at the, his friend in the boat and say, if we are to defeat the Nazis, our disciplines must be stronger. And they got back in the boat and they rowed back. So here we find Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He's, 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 he's working with this little ragged group of, of pastors that he's trying to train and raise up a generation of, of men and that, are, that are serious about their faith, that are willing to make a difference. He's got a little raggedy group of people he's trying to do something with. And then he's got, on the other hand, he's got the, the, the Nazi army that is raising up a, a strong generation of young people. And he's saying, you know, what, this, <coughs> this must be stronger than that. If we are going to defeat the Nazis, if we are going to stand strong against the tide of culture, this must be bigger or better or stronger than that. The, the disciplines of the people of God need to be stronger than the disciplines of the people of the world. <coughs> And that's the heart of the message I believe God's asking me to share today. Our church, our community, our relationship with Jesus needs to be stronger than the culture we find ourselves in. This must be stronger than that. I'm not saying that Newcastle is a bunch of Nazis. As far as I haven't met that many. I'm just, in case people email me later and say, Mark, that was a bit harsh. I'm not like that at all. But I'm saying, though, the culture in our world, the disciplines of our world, the, this is the culture, this is the enemy at work with a, in a hidden agenda to work with culture, whether it's technology, whether it's busyness, whether it's being self-centered, whether it's uh, uh, you know, fighting for a cause that, or an age of outrage where everyone's angry about anything. We've got to be stronger than that. We've got to be. I think it's so important. We need a, a way of life 
that builds around Jesus as the center of our faith, the center of our families, the center of our businesses. We, if we are going to be stronger than that, we need to center our lives in a greater way around Jesus. That's what I believe. But awareness is not enough. And um, as we go through this journey over the next few weeks, a number of weeks, I'd imagine, I want to encourage you to have a realistic look at your discipleship journey. I want you to have a look at what culture has shaped you or your family or your habits or your lifestyle to be. The goal isn't to, um, you know, to think, gee, I'm doing well, I don't, I'm not affected by technology. The goal isn't to beat you up either. The goal is for you to have a real honest look on how has the river of culture affected you? And then I want you to ask Jesus some questions. In the season we're moving into, Jesus, what is it you're calling me, inviting me to become? Who are you calling me to become? What are you asking me to pick up? What are you asking me to lay down? I think for us to be serious about being stronger than a culture that's surrounding us, I think we need to ask some hard questions. And most importantly, I think the greatest thing we can ask Jesus to do is through his Holy Spirit to revive our hearts, to fan into flame the passions we once had, to strengthen those muscles that have gone a little bit flabby, to transform us from the inside out. And the good news is that Jesus will never beat you up or fill you up with guilt or load you up with shame. If you invite Jesus to come to you, with you, I know he's with you already, but if you invite him and acknowledge that, Jesus, I want, I want, I want to experience you here and now in the river, in the, in, the, in the ocean, wherever I am, whatever season I'm in, I want you to come now. And you'll discover he's just there. He's always there. And he's not going to say, well, I told you this would happen. He'll just say, he'll come beside you, whatever season you're at. He'll say, you know what, Mark, Neil, Jackie, he said, we got this. He's got this. The message today isn't to overwhelm us with a, with a culture and, a, and, and to fill us with fear. The goal is, yes, to make us aware that, that we need to be stronger than what the world has. But the best thing to know is that Jesus is with us and he's saying, you know what? I've got this. We've got this. We can do this. He says, I can do anything, you know. He's got this. Why don't we stand together and pray? And then we're going to do something for a bit of fun. Unless you really hate tests and exams. Anyone? Lord God, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you that we can gather together and learn and listen. And Lord, I know my, my words are far from articulate. And uh, Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you can take my, my, my attempts of, of, of communication and, and speak to hearts this morning. And so Lord, I pray that for each of us that we would understand that we do live in a, a world that is rapidly moving away from you and are rapidly taking us to places we don't want to be. And so, Lord, I pray that you help us as a church, help us as families in the church, as individuals, Lord, to be willing 
to, uh, to swim to the side and to, to grow muscles and grow strength and to, uh, that we understand that we need to be stronger than that. But it's not our own strength that will exhaust us. It's your strength in us that we can lean into you, we can press into you, that we can, we, can, uh, we can just rest on you and swim with you to the side where we can really enjoy who you are. And so, Lord, I do pray for anyone who might be here this morning that might be overwhelmed by so many circumstances. I do pray that they would find you in the midst. Not that you're, not that you're hidden, but, that, but sometimes our eyes are looking elsewhere. And so, Lord, I pray that you help us in that. 